Hey there, everybody. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News. Are you planning on heading to Wizard World Comic Con sometime this year? Well, we have a great deal for you. If you are planning to do so, you can get 10% off your ticket purchase by using the code DCNEWS at checkout. That's DC. N-E-W-S at checkout to save 10% off your tickets for Wizard World. And that's for any city that, uh, that they will be doing. So make sure you head over to www.wizardworld.com tickets and use the code DCNEWS for 10% off. It is now officially August, and if there's one thing apparently on the mind of all of us here now, thanks to Mr. Steve, it's yoga. You want to know why? You want to know how? You got to stick around until there's appropriate time within the podcast to let you know, because whether you knew it or not, you're here at the DC Comics News podcast, episode number 36. I'm your host, Seth Singleton, and today I'm joined... By the always impressive, always engaging, Brad Felicki. Brad, say hello. 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 And the stupendous, the serenading, Mr. Steve J. Ray. Steve, would you say hello, please? And stretch. Hello. <laughs> and with that, you've met us all. And if you haven't met us before, well, welcome. The DC Comics News Podcast, an opportunity where we can check in with you about all the things coming to you from DC Comics, whether it's movies, TV and streaming, the original source comic books, or that oh-so-interesting ephemera that just seems to be part of the world that we know as fans of DC Comics. Kicking things off on the movie side, we're going to move right into the announcement about Black Adam, and it's one in which the always anticipating and always hoped for Black Adam film has been delayed yet one more time. Brad, what do you think about this? Uh, I guess I can't say it wasn't unexpected. Uh, you know, The Rock's got a lot on his plate. And, you know, I say that it's okay to move it back if that's going to improve the final product, Uh, you know, so we'll see. Uh, It does give the director some more time to actually get everything straightened out. And uh, so I think maybe in the end it'll turn out to be a good thing. I'm just glad that the production is is still moving forward. Steve, what do you think? I prefer a delay than it not happen at all. And it's like I said, Rock is the busiest man in Hollywood, Um, a breather for the director after his last project so that he can get his mind in gear, get himself ready to to make the best film he can. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. But um, it's just so surprising. So we'll hear again a little bit later on that these uh, lightning powered superheroes are getting their movies and comic books delayed left, right and center. So maybe it's just something we should get used (laughs) to right now. What did you think, Seth? (laughs) I'm not sure if there's something in the water, if someone's like doing a little voodoo on the brand. But yeah, between the films and the comic books and who knows what else might come into play as part of the fray. 
I really can't say anything more except to echo what Brad began that, you know, sort of round robin of responses, which was, well, not surprised. <laughs> and it's never a great feeling when that's sort of an initial response to news about a project. But when you've heard it enough times, it's hard to feel like anything else has really changed except the date. Yep. Yep. So, uh, but thankfully, that's not the only news that's coming at us about Black Adam. In fact, in a recent article, Dwayne Johnson shared that Black Adam will be starting out as a villain, although that might not be where he ends up following the storyline that apparently is being crafted. Brad, let me go ahead and get your thoughts on that, if you don't mind. Uh, you know, I find it interesting uh, that he said that he starts out a villain, which, of course, he would. I mean, he can't. I don't think he could have a Black Adam movie where he kind of starts out as an antihero. But he, he says that then he becomes an antihero and then he might become a hero or he might not. The might not really intrigues me as to what this movie might be. So that I'm, I'm, I'm really kind of curious. Uh, what about you, Steve? Exactly the same. That's that last bit he added. He might not. And the three of us uh, and Kelly talk a lot about that brilliant series 52. And how, I mean, for many, many years, decades, Black Adam was always the villain. It's only been in more recent years, the last decade or so, that he's become more of an anti-hero. And even to the people of his own country of conduct, where he's ruler, an actual hero, because all he wants to do is protect his people. So I'm thinking that there's a lot more scope for character progression than, than we could have initially uh, imagined. So that just excites me, because it means that this isn't just going to be a cardboard cutout, two-dimensional character. He's going to have layers. He's going to have depth. So I'm just looking forward to it. And that, that little twins, that little mystery at the end, he might be a hero, but he might not. All he needs is a moustache to roll, really, doesn't it? And then, then we'll know the full full scope of the whole thing. I would love to see Black Seth. Adam with a moustache. Oh, wouldn't you just? One of those big swirly ones with the curls at the end. Oh, awesome. Shazam. I am not actually a villain. I am your father. No, no. Seth, what do you think, my friend? I want to see that mustache now. I'm just making a call out. If you are an artist and you have the inkling, the inspiration, the ability to capture what we just described on paper or any other medium, please share it with us. Please, please, please. I can write. I cannot draw ever. But I want that now, Steve. I want that. Um, <laughs> when it here into my head, Mr. Singleton. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great story i love the way that one it brings up what you had just mentioned steve the uh the great sort of depth in the story of black adam that was created with 52 and within its pages we saw so much more about who black adam was and just how much more he was capable of being just how great his powers were and the positive effect he could actually have. But not everyone starts out that way. In fact, it's quite often the reality that the world shows you a hard life. You're going to turn harder in response. You're going to, you know, close yourself off. And if you have access to that kind of power, 
and you're still feeling that way, it's going to be reflected in the way you use your power. Now, granted, the sort of gift of having all of that power means that with time, you still have the opportunity to gain that understanding. And that's something we'll get to witness with Black Adam based on what we're hearing uh, from the, the crew working on this story and talking about just what needs to be done in order for Black Adam to really have his story be told on the screen. And it has to start with the dark times and then move into this sort of anti-hero period. But I have to agree with you both, that mystery at the end that, well, he could become a hero. It all depends. And there's so much hinging on that, that, that again, pulls me back to that, that material we saw in 52, which is where he was in the process of becoming potentially a great hero. And then a choice was made to not do that. And it was powerful. And it made for some just really valuable, really valuable development for me, for that character. And it's something that no matter how we get to see it on screen, I'm really excited for just based on this interview and conversation. Any other yeah. thoughts from you both? No, yeah, I think you summed it up. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to try and do that. <clears throat> if I'm going to offer up this story to you both, I'd like to try, try and follow through at the end. Shifting that away from nice. Black Deep. Oh. Like deep, deep is good. <laughs> deep, deep is good. Moving away from Black Adam, but staying within some of the more enjoyably fantastical godlike material. We have the story coming out that Ava DuVernay has teased Darkseid and the Furies in her upcoming movie with Tom King. And it's part of a series of tweets that start out with this and then move into a little more information. But we're going to start with this first headline and then move into some of the developments. So starting out with this teaser for Darkseid and the Furies in the New Guys movie, what was your response initially to this one, Brad? Uh, I, I, it would be hard to have a New Gods movie without Darkseid, so that was kind of welcome news. And I think that Darkseid's due for his big screen debut. Uh, you know, had Justice League turned out a little differently as far as how much money it made and, you know, if the studio was happy with it, it seemed to me like they were setting up Darkseid to kind of be the Thanos for the DC uh, EU at certain points. So... It's good to see that Darkseid's going to get his due either way. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to see Darkseid in it. And the Furies, you can't have a new Gosh movie without the Furies either. So I think that's definitely necessary. Steve, what do you think? Everything you just said is what I think. Um, <laughs> everything you said. You can't have it. The whole world of Apocalypse and New Genesis... Uh, the female Furies, Barda, that's where she came from, and Granny Goodness and, and, and all her really cool, tough compatriots. Th those are some of the finest female characters in comics as far as I'm concerned. Jack Kirby just created a, a mythos and a storyline which is timeless and just brilliant. And Darkseid uh, predates Thanos by many years, and mm -hmm. it's sad that... We know there's been uh, storyboards and uh, prelim art that's come out from the uh, infamous Snyder Cut version of the Justice League movie, which shows that he did have, uh, even if it's just a cameo appearance in his vision of the Justice League movie. So the fact that A, we're getting a New Gods film 
with this wonderful director and co-written by Tom King, who you guys have read Mr. Miracle, right? You you know what, what yeah. this guy's capable yeah. of delivering. Yeah. So yeah. the fact Definitely. it's concrete, we're getting Dark Side, we're getting the Female Furies. Awesome. Really, really happy. Seth, you must have some thoughts on this. <laughs> I do, I do. Um, one, getting the chance for another shot at portraying Darkseid on the screen is an opportunity every DC fan should look forward to after what was left on the cutting room floor regarding Justice League. Also, if Barta is going to be such a key player in this story, you need to have her history with the Furies play a prominent role because so much of who she is is based on what she was before she became this person who is connected with Scott Free. Just like if you're going to yes. talk about Scott Free at any point, you have to talk about what he overcame at, in Apocalypse and with Granny in order to eventually escape. It was so much about the foundation of who he became as Mr. Miracle that was established. And it was that sort of uh, early beginning that we can hearken back to what we were talking about just a little bit ago with Black Adam. You know, those are both examples of people who had some really difficult early beginnings and how they chose to respond to them helped shape the character that we've come to love and know. So I believe that getting a chance to have Barda's history with the Furies or that contrast of who she is now and who she must have been or who, if we get any flashback, flashback she was when she was with the Furies, is going to be a great way to sort of show just how much of a difference the change is once you're outside of the influence of Darkseid and Apocalypse, and how much brighter your future is when you can see outside of really the, the sort of doom and gloom that is just sort of every waking moment for any citizen of Apocalypse. Um, yep. Yeah. Any, <laughs> <laughs> Um, now, that, of course, uh, wasn't the only news. Uh, Anna DuVernay was also on Twitter. She was mentioning that much like directors that we know and love, say James Gunn or Quentin Tarantino, uh, DuVernay has been known to use cast from her other projects. And this brought up the possibility of using cast from uh, one of her more recent projects on the upcoming New Guts. Brad, what do you think about this story and uh, this sort of announcement and it being made on Twitter, much like the other story was? Uh, I couldn't help to think that now, I don't know if you guys had a chance to check out her um, four-part series on the Central Park Five on Netflix, um, but Stacey Nash was in it, and she's an actress who, um, st she's now starring in Claws, and she was in Reno 911, and I really loved her performances and all of that. So I think that bringing her in would be not necessarily an obvious choice, but I would be happy to hear that. And um, I, and I, I trust uh, I trust uh, Ava's instincts when it comes to that too, as far as who needs who what she needs for these roles. So I, I definitely trust her. Can't, you know, I'm curious to see who she does choose. And in the end, it's just I, I, I have to say that I was absolutely skeptical when this was first announced that she was making a new God's movie. I thought she's such a busy director and uh, these are such obscure characters in a way, except for maybe Darkseid, uh, that it was hard for me to believe that this would actually get to that point where we'd see a production. But 
fact that she's talking casting now and she's, you know, she's working with Tom King. I think that's, you know, a great sign that we are going to actually see this come to fruition. So definitely. And Steve, back to the last story for a second. I remember reading Marvel Comics back in the day <laughs> and reading Thanos and thinking, man, what a dark side ripoff. <laughs> So, so, they, so like, you're not alone. It's so funny. You're now, not alone. Now people would pick out Dark Side. You know, it's just, ah, oh, man, yeah, Dark Side definitely, yep. definitely has one over on Thanos. So, that, anyway, that's part that's of the easy. pain of being a DC fan, isn't it, really? Because we know that all these characters, yeah. and the worst one is, is Shazam, is Captain Marvel himself, who's been around since 1939, yeah. as long as Superman yeah. and Batman have almost. And he is the original Captain Marvel, but yet he cannot be called Captain Marvel. Yeah. And Thanos came first, the Doom Patrol came before the X-Men, all that sort of stuff. And uh, yet the DC fans are being called the ones that, well, actually, no, no, that's copied. And well, we don't help ourselves, do we? Because obviously with the Justice League movie, I don't know if I've, I've told you guys this, when we came out of seeing it, my wife said, well, that's exactly the same as the Avengers. It's like the cubes and the power and the invasion. And that's the, the, the exact, I think, yeah, can't even argue with that, but that, that, DC, that Justice League movie was a copy of the Avengers, which was a copy of DC. So you can't really win. But on a more positive light and going back to what we're supposed to be talking about, um, Sorry, I have to agree with both of you. Yeah, Ava DuVernay, fantastic talent. I thought, New Gods, really? I'd expect her to be tied to something like Birds of Prey or something a bit more uh, street level, down to earth. But the more I see of her and the more I read her tweets, she's coming across as a real comic book fan. And that, to me, can only mean that she's invested, she's keen, she's working one of the, with one of the best writers in the business who, who knows the source material inside and out. So that just makes me happy. And the fact that, as you said, Seth, that all these directors we're talking about, like James Gunn and Tarantino, bring people they keep working with. The fact that people want to keep working with the means they're good to work for, they know what they're doing, and they get results. So I'm I'm just really happy with this news, to, to be quite honest. And uh, Seth, what, what did you think about it? Well, I agree that there's a great deal of excitement for me in that the way Ava DuVernay seems to really be investing herself when it comes to this project. And But I love that part of that investment includes keeping in mind the things that others have, you know, sort of made a strength when it comes to their projects, which is to reuse actors from one movie into the next and in the process of recasting, show their sort of depth and possibility or carry over a similar energy that you know you loved for them as one character and you're also going to enjoy when you see them uh, as a new character, but in so many, many ways bringing that same great fire or spit or uh, quiet presence depending on who the character is and the type of, or who the actor is and the type of characters that they're playing from project to project. What I was most intrigued about with this story was the fact that there was such a large cast involved with uh, When They See Us. And I haven't seen it myself, Brad, so I'm, I'm intrigued. Uh, well, you I guys know definitely check it out. It's, it is really good. Highly recommend, uh, you know, following Brad's recommendations, he already turned me on to uh, a series that we were talking about on another podcast uh, that had to do with Ted Bundy. And both of the ones you recommended were really good, Brad. I really enjoyed it. Steve, you saw as well, yeah? Um, 
That yeah, was so brilliant. Cool. Really, really good. Who knew Zac Efron could be terrifying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Brad had also recommended to watch the documentary, the Ted Bundy tapes beforehand, which also made a difference for me because it reinformed me of the history through Ted's own words and then see the Zac Efron portrayal. It was a really good combination. Um, so I would be tr- intrigued about seeing uh, the uh, when they see us just so I can look forward to introducing myself to what it sounds like was a really large cast with some big names like Leguizamo, Michelle K. Williams. And then also who it is that might not be as big of a name, but has a recognizable face that I can later place in whatever role they get to take on in New Gods. And I think that's a sort of fun game. I mean, I know it's not intended to just be gamesmanship, but it's a fun bit of uh, play for directors and audiences to engage with movies on this uh, somewhat hyper level, I think, uh, maybe, or uh, self-aware level in which you know this actor from one thing, but you're seeing them portrayed in another way or take on another role. And it, it creates a, you know, a through line that feels like it's a deeper connection than just the director and the project. It's the director and certain actors that they have this great relationship with. Um, I was just watching the newsroom. Yeah. Uh, with my wife and uh, I love seeing how uh, the uh, writer Aaron Sorkin loves to continue using certain actors over and over and over again and I've seen three different shows he's done and each one I'm always like hey there's that guy he uses all the time that's like <laughs> and yeah. it's a lot of fun yeah. for me you know it, it's a great it's a great little ride and I think you know, absolutely you get to see the range yeah, yeah agree agree you know, Aaron Sorkin is one of my favorites, and so is Quentin Tarantino. And I do like when they use those actors again because they know the performances they can get out of them. And I think that uh, it was probably the same way with what she has in mind. And, uh, you know, I think, like I said before, I just trust her vision. If she's going to reuse somebody, it's and, and like Steve, like you said, they know that they're good to work for and work with. So, yeah. Yep, I definitely yeah, yeah. can't wait can't wait to see what she uh what news comes next from this this production. Well, you don't have to wait long because there is actually one more news story to go along with it, Brad. So we're here to satisfy your cravings and desires. The announcement is we're actually one week closer to the script being completed because Ava DuVernay and Tom King have wrapped their first week writing the scripts for New Guts. Uh, what does this announcement mean for you, Brad, given that you just mentioned you're looking for more news? We just gave it to you with this story. And on top of it, it means we're a week closer to the script being done. Thoughts? Well, you know, when it was first announced that he was writing Mr. Miracle, I thought to myself, Tom King is a perfect fit for that character. And I think he's a perfect fit with all of these new gods characters. I think that he, I think that he's a perfect choice for it. He, you know, even though he's more known for comics, I, I, I'm, I, I just can't wait to say. I think he's the perfect choice. I don't think I would have chosen anyone else uh, at the moment to at least, you know, do a spec script or something. But whatever he's doing, it, you know, it's, it's must be good enough. It still has Ava's uh, seal of approval. They seem to be getting along and working together well. So yeah, um, this just makes me more excited for the movie. Still, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. When you get two talents of that caliber who are great on their own and then you get that merging of the minds where they can just feed off each other and and add fuel to each other's flames. It's just exciting because they're both such talented, creative people. And when you get 
those kind of guys behind um, characters and a world that really is only known mainly to comic fans like us. I mean, you ask the average people on the street who any of these characters are, Granny Goodness, Glorious Godfrey, they're, they're, they're thinking, probably think you're thinking about a Roald Dahl book from the 1960s. They don't realise <laughs> that it's an action-packed, deep, relevant comic book world. And to get Ava DuVernay one, just like you said, Brad, I just thought, Really? That's just like crazy. How are they going to pull this off? And then get Tom King as well. And I don't know if you guys have, have read his, his stuff for the other company. Have you read Vision or anything else that he's written? This I is loved a guy. Vision. Oh, yeah. so good, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, this is yeah. a guy who gets into his characters' minds, bodies, and souls. This isn't a guy who writes just your standard uh, guy puts his tights on and goes and punches bad guys in the jaw there's so much more to his comics and to get to see that on the big screen yeah yeah i'm signed up i'm invested what do you think seth i can't disagree with anything anyone said so far when i agree with it so much um it seemed like really a perfect fit for tom king to write mr miracle and then when he was done the announcement that he would be working on a script for a New Gods movie with Ava DuVernay just seemed really brilliant. It seemed like a, a really perfect pairing. And one of those rare sort of things where you just wanted to blink and go, wait, this is happening? This is really, really happening? I'm going to give this yeah. just just to see if it's, you know, if someone's calling BS somewhere or, you know, someone's getting a little, you know, a little hesitant about the news being rock solid, but nothing's changed. And the news continues to progress actually very quickly. It seems like, you know, these three announcements seem to come on the heels of each other with not a lot of breathing room. And that feels like a production that's saying, so this is what we're going to do. And this is when we're going to do it. And this is when we're going to have it done. And that seems so different. It feels compared to a lot of other projects where they're letting us know about where the delays are and why they're happening and why they give a lot of vague answers about, well, what we would like is this and what we're hoping for is this. There's not a lot of hope going on in here. There's a plan. There's this uh, great quote that I love by this guy named Harvey Mackey. He says, a dream is just a dream. A goal is a dream with a plan and a deadline. And that sticks with me nice. in so many ways, right? Mm -hmm. It's just this really great quote. It really sort of just nails it home. Uh, it was my mantra when I was finishing my first book and I was just kind of like, dream it's just a dream goal is a dream with plan and deadline you're gonna finish the <laughs> and yeah, uh, right i, I, I love, love that. that yeah it's it's really quite you know it's really quite poignant and that if you listen to what it's saying it really just it's giving you a direction you want something to happen set a deadline i guarantee you you're gonna know whether or not you're gonna do it or you're gonna make it or you're gonna work towards something um and it sounds like that's what's happening here but in the process, I love just these little tidbits that were in the article about these Twitter snippets. And the one, you know, which is from Tom, what an honor, what a pleasure writing with this transcendent storyteller. She's out here changing the world, grateful and mind blown to be working with her to bring Kirby's masterpiece to life. It's just, it's very heartfelt, this sort of It's inspiring, connection. isn't it? It is. And it's a willingness between two creative spirits to really embrace each other and say, this is what I think you do great. And this is what I think, you know, we can do together. And the other one's saying, that's great, because I think this is what you do great. And this is what I also think we can do together. Wow. 
and now they're just playing you know and they're they're knocking out this first week looking forward to announcements that they'll be knocking out more week after week after week and if this thing continues the way it started uh we're going to be hearing all sorts of announcements very quickly uh with a sort of dictated or set you know plan and i have a feeling they're going to follow through uh, i don't see either of these two artists really uh struggling when it comes to deadline <laughs> and i i feel like what we're going to get is a blessing from them both if yes. they continue the way they've started we're going to get this movie completed and finished and in post-production before we get the next issue of shazam but hey that's a different topic <laughs> that's, a, that's story for a little later in the podcast <laughs> exactly but way to tease 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 it because steve i couldn't think of a better example and i'm glad i didn't have to with your mastery available to provide that for us my friend well said you're welcome now here's the concern if new gods and its sequel comes out before we get the next issue of shazam we really might have a problem on our hands right <laughs> Mark uh, my words, I am the prophet of doom. <laughs> <laughs> I come bearing ill news. However, we're going to keep on going with what we feel is a lot of great news coming out of DC Comics on the movie side and related to the recent sort of flurry of Batman announcements that have been coming out comes uh, a story from, well, Robert Richardson who discusses Ben Affleck's abandoned Batman script. You might remember Batman was originally to be played by Ben Affleck following his performance in Batman Superman and also in Justice League. That change since then has resulted in uh, Robert Pattinson being cast in the role, but it turns out there's some conversation still to be had about the project that Ben Affleck was previously attached to. Brad, what were your thoughts on this uh, sort of story and what Robert Richardson had to say? Uh, it sounds like it would be a cool concept. Uh, it takes place in Arkham Asylum. Uh, he does mention in the story how you haven't really seen Arkham Asylum uh, in the movies, so I think that would have been a cool thing to see. And uh, kind of a tight Batman movie that takes place over the course of one night. Uh, that's kind of a Batman movie we haven't seen before. So I think that's those are kind of a kind of cool ideas, and it did at the end though. It reminded me a lot of the Arkham Asylum video game, which uh, if you haven't played it, you definitely should. Um, but it does seem like a, it would have been a cool idea. Uh, Steve, what do you think? Yeah, exactly that. Um, it's 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 really makes me smile because years i've been writing a little script of my own and it literally is one night in the life of batman so to hear that it's like they, they've done a, a, a seth brad and kelly and just attacked my brain and devoured it and they're gonna start walking around talking and walking like me and then get arrested and all that weird stuff and that just makes me really happy and arkham asylum <laughs> it's it's a character in the comics it has been for decades and it's never really been done properly uh, it needs to be there because most of Batman's villains live there. Well, with a rotating door, but um, that's that's where they're based. So we need to have a real fully fledged, scary, slightly alive, slightly haunted, slightly supernatural Arkham Asylum in a film at last. So um, the fact that 
it was abandoned with Affleck's aborted uh, Batman project, but it looks like Matt Reeves is still going to go for it. Yeah, we need that. We need a real Arkham Asylum, even if it's just to lock me in uh, after the film's finished. What do you think, Seth? Oh, please, please. Let's not lock up Steve. Let's not do that. We have too much fun with them out here in the real world, and it'd be really hard to sneak a cell phone or some other form of transmitting device into him so he could record with us on a weekly basis. However, Steve medicated while transmitting from an insane asylum during the podcast could be an opportunity we need to see. We need to consider this. He doesn't seem resigned to it being a negative yet. And while he's still on the positive, it's just worth considering for an episode or two. We'll see how much he likes it. I hear the Jello is amazing, so maybe we won't be able to get him out. Uh, when it comes, there's to always story, room for Jello. Always, <laughs> always. When it comes to this story, I was really intrigued by this concept of going into, as he calls it, the insanity aspects. And I think that's actually something that would have really played to Ben Affleck's strengths. I really enjoyed his portrayal of George Reeves. I can't think of the title of the movie, but I thought he did a great job in that project. And I thought he addressed that challenge of having two personalities, two identities, and what it's like to live with that and the challenges it places on you. Well, taking that to an nth degree with Batman would have been a really impressive stretch of those strengths that we saw from him. And I think it would have been a great opportunity to cast that against, as as it's been well described by you both, this character of Arkham Asylum. I'm not familiar with the game. Um, my dogs simply don't allow me to play video games a lot because, well, they need my attention. But I am familiar with the popularity behind Arkham Asylum. And uh, I believe there's been a couple of titles named Arkham, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, the first one was so good that they they kept the name going. <laughs> and it sounds like there would have been a lot of great material they could have pulled from that, which would have provided some fan appeal and really brought out some some great moments that sometimes in animation and game storytelling, we get to see the things we wish we got to see in movies. And this could have provided an outlet for some of those great moments. However, I still think that what we're going to see is going to be a really original approach. And this would have been a fine Batman project that I I think would have been uh, just another great example and another great chapter to add to that canon. But without having it, without sort of just constantly dwelling on the what might have been, it's something that I think is nice to reflect on, but then also moving into the the new Batman story that we'll be seeing to, to keep in mind, well, that's what they decided not to go with for a reason. So what we're going to see instead is this detective portrayal that still sounds like one of the best possible Batman portrayals we'll get to you know see on screen because it's something we haven't seen before. And while we haven't seen, you know, Arkham the way this movie would have done it, getting to see Batman as a detective is not a bad, bad sort of lateral promotion. 
And I can live yeah, with that. It's the way forward. Absolutely. <laughs> and for, for, to, to touch on what Brad said, if you haven't played the video games and you're a video game fan, do play them. If you don't play video games, grab the two graphic novels, Arkham Asylum by Grant Morrison and Dave McKeon and Arkham Asylum Living Hell by Dan Slott and a multitude of really great artists. And you'll see that this is more than just a building. It's a, uh, uh, it's, it's almost like a gateway to hell and everything that's insane and mad in Gotham passes through there. And those are two I highly recommend to read, but uh, I'll, I'll get off my Wikipedia soapbox, Geekopedia soapbox now. <laughs> and back to no, actually, Steve, thank you for sharing that. That's great news for someone who might be thinking, well, yeah, man. So wait, if I don't game, I'm, I'm out like, that's it. No, you're not out. Steve just gave Never. us some great titles. Never. And, yeah, exactly. And all you have to do is hit that 15 second rewind button and boom, it's like he's saying it all over again just for you, mm-hmm. just so you can write it down. Isn't that cool of him? I think it's extremely cool. So get those titles, get comments. the games, get back to us with your comments about this story, because, well, it's not the last Batman story we're going to talk about. Moving things along, Milo Ventimiglia. Ooh, I hope I said that right. Perfect. Hey, go me, go me, go me, go me. Says he's too old to play Batman, according to Warner Brothers. So it sounds like this is something he was told and he's repeating, not just his initial personal thought. Brad, what were your thoughts about this announcement for Mr. Uh, Venomelia? Well, back when Ben Affleck was cast as Batman, I, my initial thought was, isn't he a little old to play Batman? So it's not necessarily surprising to me that they would want somebody younger when they do the the reboot. Uh, I think he Milo is 42 years old, so, I mean, he's not old, old, but he's... For playing Batman, he he's, uh, he might be a little old for what they're trying to do to this movie, and I, and I think I'm okay with that. I think I'm okay with the younger Batman in this in the Matt Reeves movie. Steve, what do you think? It's exactly that. Uh, Milo's a great actor. He's a really cool guy. Uh, I have spoken to him. He was at a Comic Con a couple of years back in London when he was uh, just when he just wrapped on Gotham, where he played uh, the ogre, the serial killer. And uh, I always thought that he had a really, I, I always thought he had more of a Dick Grayson look than a Bruce Wayne look. But I, I think that he could have made an interesting choice. And the way he's talking in this article, it seems like maybe at one point he was in the running, possibly at the same time that Affleck was. So maybe that was a missed opportunity. But right now, yeah, I totally agree. We need a younger Batman, even if it just means we get four or five films out of him, um, because I can't have enough Batman in my life. I, I like the guy. What can I say? You, you, may, you may have gathered. So, well, it's a shame. He's a good actor. And we missed out. He was terrific in Heroes. He was great in Gotham. Um, we've got our Batman now, and let's see what he does with the role. What did you make of it, Seth? Well, I, like you, was actually really intrigued about the idea of when his name came up in the process. And as I was scrolling through the article, that was something that I was kind of looking for any clues to. And the only one that I saw was that right after he says that they said, Venomelia, you're too old. The actor told Variety of his bid to be Warner's next Dark Knight. So apparently at some point he believed his name 
was something he wanted to put into the hat. How that came about as far as the process, either before or after Ben Affleck, is something that I find a bit intriguing because it now makes me wonder, wow, was there a possibility that, you know, they were looking at one storyline when they were talking about casting him or was he one of the early choices after Ben Affleck left the project? And then at some point, you know, when they were talking with him, they decided to go much younger. But given that you would think in my initial reaction to hearing about any Batman project that you would want to look at sequels, it would seem most likely that you would want to cast for a younger age so that you can continue to have years to have that actor play Batman and maintain that degree of continuity that we're lucky enough to have with actors like uh, Michael Keaton, the first two Batmans or with Christian Bale. Um, So there's a lot of logic involved with this. It's just really interesting for me that there's no timeline, which really kind of makes it difficult to place when this was all occurring since it's after the announcement of Robert Pattinson. It's after all the questioning that was going on in the early speculation rounds. This would have been a great name to include then. Now it just feels like an afterthought. Yeah. Anybody? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yep. that's a that's really not the only thing that we get to say about Batman before we transition away and stop sort of throwing chum into the water for those of us who are shark like and find ourselves frothing when it comes to that. Final I've got my bat repellent shark spray, don't worry. <laughs> See? I knew if I brought it up, Steve would Steve, right there. Right there. That's why I'm sorry. That's no no no. That's why you're loved and beloved right there. Because if I go ahead and send that one over the plate, I don't even have to look to see if you're going to crush it. I just know. Wait, beat, beat, pop. And you did. Called it. And I love you for it. Exactly. Exactly. The final announcement, of course, is that Greg Frazier, who is nominated for an Oscar for his 2016 drama Lion, has signed on to shoot the Batman. Plenty to be said after that, but it's not going to be said by me first. I want to hear from Brad and, of course, Steve after. Brad, what did you think about this announcement and, um, uh, you know, this addition to Batman? Yeah, I think he's a good addition. Uh, he has worked with Matt Reeves before, and he's worked on a lot of great projects. Uh, I really like Rogue One, uh, Zero Dark Thirty, Vice I Love, Foxcatcher. Uh, so I think that he'll be a good addition. And he also worked on Let Me In, which, if you haven't seen it, definitely check that out as well. It's kind of like a the cult vampire movie, but uh, it's really good. So yeah, I think I think he'll be a good fit. Steve, what do you think? The guy's got a great eye. Um, I've only actually seen uh, Lion and, of course, Rogue One. Oh no, no, I've seen Zero Dark Thirty. Um, he's brilliant. His capturing of light his uh, cinematography is astonishing and i think that on a project like the batman i am really excited to see what he brings to the gotham city skyline and the way he gets matt reeves vision on screen because a good cinematographer can elevate a film from from great to masterpiece so i'm really excited by this because i'm one of those anorak nerd people who look at the little lens flares and how fat the rain is and where this light's coming from and um how how they're getting that smoke in that room and that sort of stuff and that's all the kind of things that 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 i get excited by in films 
And we mentioned it a few weeks back, Seth, that people like Ridley Scott get a lot of acclaim as directors, but without a good cinematographer in their camp, their films wouldn't be half of what they are. So this news is, to me, one of the best pieces of news of the entire week. Really happy about it. Um, if you haven't seen any of his films, do so. Zero Dark Thirty, Lion in particular, outstanding cinematography. Um, so, Seth, what are your thoughts on this? I was thinking the exact same thing while you were talking about our previous conversation about the role cinematographers play and the recognition that they're now receiving from groups like the Academy and others. Um, I think this is a great announcement. When I looked over the list of movies that he has uh, worked on, I'm I'm really just uh, reminded of how each one had a very distinct and very clear environment this atmosphere something that has to be created by the the crew that has to be created and captured through that lens was something that was so evident in rogue one and really felt it's interesting but i didn't even think of it until i was now about to say the title but zero dark 30 felt oppressive you know what i mean it just felt like there was this weight just like sitting on top of the whole movie and it, it stuck with you the entire time. It was it was really intriguing for me. Um, I haven't seen Foxcatcher, but I, I have to say the last film that they mentioned on here that he will be associated with Dune just sort of yes. my eyes lit up yes. big. And I wanted to hear <laughs> what you, do I know, sign? you guys did. <laughs> yeah, my, that actually makes me even more excited for Dune. So, yes. yeah, when I, yeah, I exactly. Yeah, now I, yeah, I'm super psyched for Dune. So, yeah, I really feel like this is a great opportunity for someone with that kind of talent to not only use it to the degree that that we know they can and do it to create and capture the the sort of atmosphere that we love about Gotham. And also, as it sounds like, to introduce this new environment of Arkham, which, man, can you imagine how I've done right, how claustrophobic, how just sort of just like choking on your own breath. Arkham should feel if you're, you know, seeing it the right ways and with the sort of horror that it should be impressing upon you. I mean, you know, there are moments in some movies where you're like, okay, I hope nobody looks at me too long because they're missing what's making me hold on to my chest and try not to choke on my popcorn. Um, That that's a really great opportunity that, that I'm really looking forward to for Batman. And, and now also with Dune, Um, you know, this, this could be, really uh, uh what's the word ah seminal a really seminal work and that's something i'm really yes. excited about just hearing all the pieces that are that are going to be involved with it um one last story on the movie side before we transition away is an announcement about the death and the return of superman being put together in a complete film collection Plenty of details I could go into, but I'm going to go ahead and let Brad and Steve share their thoughts first, because really both of these titles were so great individually. What's it mean for you now that they're combined, Steve? Uh, I think I think it's a cool idea, uh, and not you know, and again, not surprising. Um, <laughs> October first is a good release date, uh, right around the holiday. So, yeah, I think that's good. And the bonus features, what I really dug is the fact that they're going to have a Lex Luthor documentary. 
And, you know, we've seen a thousand Superman documentaries about what the, the character's history and what he means to people, but Lex Luthor, not so much. So I think that that, that bonus feature will be uh, cool to watch. Steve, what do you think? Again, I just love talking to you guys so much. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I got the films digitally, but I purposely waited until there was an announcement because I knew that when you get a set of two films, just like I did with the Dark Knight Returns, it, you, you're going to have something special when they're both released together and the special features. A Luther documentary, oh, about time really really happy and then you get the little pictures that you get the um like little action figures of steel and superboy and the eradicator and the cyborg superman and stuff like that that you can collect as well that the nerd fanboy in me is doing a gleeful little dance like a leprechaun and i'm very very happy by this news because now i can get both films together to sit on my shelf and look pretty seth what did you think my friend Steve, I think that he's going to look quite lovely, if not exquisite, sitting on your shelves. That's my first thought. Second is 45 minutes of additional material. That's, well, that's a whole other extra snack or drink or other treat to go along with it. Uh, for me, having as much as that be about the Lex Luthor uh, documentary is going to be uh, a really fun experience but all these other little bits that you guys were talking about i mean as i heard you describing them i just thought to myself oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah and i realized that while i i knew there were immediate things that were on my mind that hearing these other things that are coming along with it just sort of made me think i'm gonna want to make a list i should go ahead and just copy this list and that'll be really <laughs> a smart thing to do, because when you're thinking about this, it's easy to go ahead and sort of get distracted by, you know, the fact that you've got these two movies together in a collection. But hearing all the great extras that are being thrown in with them, it just seems like you're getting so much more than just two movies in a collection. It feels like you're getting this sort of box set, uh, you know, this sort of like giant gift box collection and that. When you get it this way, not only do you get these two movies together, but you get the the fun little bit of add-ons that you get to sort of go, yep, wouldn't have these without it. Simply would not have them without it. Best purchase ever. And I love that feeling when you open something up and you just think to yourself, yeah, I could have bought these two separately. Maybe I did. But now I got this collection and so much more. And uh, oh, yes. just to echo you, Steve, you know, the Lex Luthor documentary. That's going to be fun. I'm just going to I'm just going to sit back and smile and go, OK, you villainous genius. Show me everything. Show me everything. And with that. We take a break from the movie side of DC Comics, which means we're also going to take a quick break for our ads to pay the bills. Make sure we keep ourselves on the right path. Thanks for hanging out for just a few seconds until that's done. We'll be right back with you here on the DC Comics News Podcast. Hey there, everybody. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News. 
Are you planning on heading to Wizard World Comic Con sometime this year? Well, we have a great deal for you. If you are planning to do so, you can get 10% off your ticket purchase by using the code DCNEWS at checkout. That's D-C-N-E-W-S at checkout to save 10% off your tickets for Wizard World. And that's for any city that, uh, that they will be doing. So make sure you head over to www.wizardworld.com tickets and use the code DCNEWS for 10% off. Back to you guys. See? And just like that, it's magic. Over in seconds. Thanks for making it through those ads, sticking around to come back to us here on the DC Comics News Podcast, episode 36, with the always wonderful Brad and Steve. We're moving into our TV and streaming news, and we're kicking things off with an announcement about the Titans. And it's a really fun, positive one that sort of... Again, does that thing we were talking about earlier that thankfully we know Steve has his repellent for, which is throwing the chum in the water yes. so all of the sharks just get so frenzied about it. The announcement being that Titan Season 2 set photos have been released, leaked, dropped, made available, trending. Who knows? Brad, we know that we've seen them. What did you see and what did you think about what you saw? Uh, I do I do like that uh, Superboy's pants are better when he's not in costume. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I knew you were going to say this. I love it. I, I knew it. I was like, come on, man. Say something about the pants. <laughs> Don't hold back now. Come on. You started it off. You, you can't stop this. No, I'm just All right. Saying, Ray trains are those, those pants and those costume pictures weren't the best, but uh, he's, he's looking all right here. <laughs> uh, and I, I do find it. Uh, interesting though that he's fighting cops it says so huh superboy fighting cops that should be uh that should be interesting and i think that that fits with uh the tone of titans uh you know kids on the run kind of thing so i think that definitely uh, does fit the tone of the show so i will see but i'm liking the pants Brilliant. I, I am also incredibly whelmed with these choice of uh, lower half of the body garments, Brad. So, yes, I couldn't agree more, my <laughs> friend. Plus the fact that, yeah, the, the fighting the cops thing and the fact that he's uh, been taken under Beast Boy's wing of all of all people um, is really intriguing and quite harkening to the Young Justice show where he was a little bit out of control when he first gets out of Cadmus. So, Again, it's just more stuff to look forward to, and it's only a few weeks away now. That That's the thing, guys. Titans Season 2 is only a few weeks away. And if it lives up to the billing and the hype of Season 1, then I am so looking forward to it. And the fact that he's actually got nice trousers this time is just the added cherry on top of the cake. What did you think, Seth? Well, I'm just going to say it. They're not slacks and they're not a pair of knickerbockers however they are some pretty fine pantalones and i was pretty pleased with that nice pair of jeans yes and i i I think it's appropriate that brad was the one who brought that up because i know it was something of a sticking point for him we love (laughs) you brad we're just teasing you 
we're laughing near you. Um, as the great, late, great Robin Williams used to say, I'm not laughing at you, I'm laughing near you. No, um, what, I, what I sort of love about these little snapshots is that they give away with them these details about Superboy fighting the police. That seems really appropriate given, well, the young lad broke out, right? He, it's not like he was let out. It's not like someone said, hey, uh, we've made sure that whatever you needed before you left this pod, you've gotten. So, yeah, go ahead. Check out the real world. His transition was a little more abrupt, which means we don't know how much he actually understands of what's going on around him. You know, this isn't an easy place to adapt to, even if you've grown up different parts of the world. You know, the United States could be its own culture shock. It could take 20 years to figure some things out. You could be born here and still never figure some things out. So his adjustment process, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And having someone like Gar, who's so, of course, understanding, and yet at the same time is going to have a, dude, what's wrong with you response, like any teenager will in so many instances, is going to be a great sort of, uh, a great sort of moment when we get to see these two uh, sort of figure each other out and how they're going to communicate how they're going to engage and also what it's like for Superboy to begin adapting to the world that he hasn't really been a part of until just now. Keeping that in mind, a second little addition to the Titans news stream is the announcement that Genevieve Angelson, Angelson, I'm going to go with Angelson, is joining Titans season two. Brad, one, let me know if you know if I butchered that name, and two, what you know about Miss Genevieve. You know, I, I don't know if you butchered the name. I'm not really familiar with her work, uh, but uh, she will be playing a member of the Cadmus staff, uh, which uh, is pretty obvious in, you know, including inclusion in the second season of Titans since we're dealing with Superboy. So, uh it does look like we'll get a lot of Cadmus, at least in the second season. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not really, honestly, I, I'll have to check more of her work out uh, now that I know that she's going to be cast in it. Uh, Steve, what do you think? I'm glad I'm not the only weirdo who does stuff like that when I hear casting yeah. news. I go and check out everybody's work to see what they've done before. Yeah. So, yeah totally in agreement i'll probably do the exact same thing but it just again makes me happy that we're going to see cadmus because as a jack kirby fan this is a great time to be alive with new gods and mr miracles uh, comic book series and now we're going to see another of his creations cadmus and does that mean we're going to get to see the newsboy legion are we going to see <laughs> guardian and all that cool stuff yeah i mean they're including really. so many characters in the second season why not <laughs> why not bring them the why not what who's left let's let's throw in amazing man who remembers him um (laughs) (laughs) you just never know i i I, i'm happy um she's a scary looking individual those eyes are a little bit terrifying so (laughs) maybe she's one of these uh, evil doctors maybe she's got a mustache i don't know i'm rambling (laughs) what do you think my friend well i love the fact that we're going to get a chance to you know start delving into this version of Cadmus. Cadmus was always one of those great little secrets living right underneath Metropolis. And it it really sort of 
as I remember it when I was reading, you know, got some unwelcome exposure with the appearance of Doomsday. And there was so much that had been hidden that was brought into light. And there was so much that was expounded upon with Young Justice that I'm really intrigued to see just how much of that's going to be included in Titans 2. And also, I'm interested in this idea behind the, the casting for this doctor, because here's what really catches my attention is the fact that it says she's conflicted. It doesn't say that she ends up joining the side of the Titans characters, just that she's conflicted, which can be a really interesting thing when you get to see something amazing like that. Uh, what you also have the opportunity to do is to sort of build a little bit more than you might have before in previous versions and also include things that might have been left out from those days in the 90s that could now have a, a really fun uh, moment in this new storyline. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts yeah, from anyone sure. else about uh, this casting or the uh, the news we've been talking about with Titans 2? Seth, you always dig deep, so I think, uh, <laughs> once again, I think you covered a lot. <laughs> Bring it on, baby. Friend. Bring it on. Try it. More than happy to. And if we're going to keep bringing it on, well, let's move right into a story that really intrigued me. The announcement that Arrow's Stephen Amell promises a super happy ending. He put that in quotes, or at least the people writing the story did, as if to provide an additional emphasis, which makes me think they were reading our minds and knew we were all expecting a bit of a tearjerker, or at least... I was. Brad, what's your response to this announcement about the, quote, super happy ending? I wouldn't be surprised if he's just trying to throw us off the scent a little bit. Um, you know, because I don't think it would be this, a smart thing for an actor to say, oh, yeah, our series is going to have a very happy ending. You know, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that was such a, it would be such a smart thing. But what's interesting, <laughs> and I think he, he brings up a good point, uh, is that it Arrow's not a show like Game of Thrones or Lost that has to answer a question, you know, so that could leave people disappointed. It's open-ended, so uh, the possibilities for a happy ending, I think, are more likely there. So, um, you know, we'll see. Uh, I think that uh, this final season of Arrow is going to bring a lot of surprises. Uh, Steve, what do you think? He's lying. That's what I think. (laughs) Yeah. Happy ending. I don't believe a word of it. Throw us off the scent. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what he's doing because everything's pointing to Oliver and or Felicity um, literally sacrificing themselves for the rest of the team. And if anything else happens, I will be extremely surprised. I would be disappointed because I do think that this character who started so much in the TV universe deserves a happy ending, but I don't believe a word of it. I, I think it's it's uh, throwing us off the scent and lulling us into a false sense well, of security. Let me so, ask you this, Steve. Mm. Um, <laughs> sorry to barge in. But no, go for with, it. With, with, with the fact that, this is the, that there's so much emphasis on the uh, Crisis on Infinite Earth crossover, yes. that you could have potentially a sad ending and a happy ending where you could see one of those characters sacrifice themselves, but could be mm-hmm. somehow reborn through certain cosmic who knows what, you know? So uh, I, I think you might be right, but we could have a little bit of both. I think there's a possibility yeah. there. Yep. 
and it would be nice. And if the happy ending involves a, a, a Robin Hood hat and, and a goatee, then I'm even <laughs> more for it. So that, that, that's what he says the happy ending is. And if he ends up with Black Canary, that'll be awesome too. But hey, I can dream. Seth, what do you think? <laughs> Thanks for bringing up something that while I missed out uh, on the conversation, I loved hearing was uh, last week when you guys were talking about all these different versions of Oliver we might get to see. And the chance that we could see him wearing the Robin Hood hat with the goatee and that kind of smirk, that really sort of cocky, arrogant. Like there was something about Green Arrow where he walked into the room like, I could have every girl here. Probably have. You know what I mean? And he was just that guy where you're like, who says that? Oh, my God. He's the guy who would just walk into the room and just confident, you know, and swashbuckling in so many ways. I want to see that version portrayed. Just, just, just for me, just for me and Steve too, I think, and Uh, all of us, Okay, just for us, Mm -hmm. for, for all of us who feel that way. I don't know what our percentage numbers are of the whole, you know, which green arrow you like the best and why, but this is our cast casted vote. And, uh, I really want to see that, but, um, I'm intrigued by this idea of, of something Brad brought up, which is, yeah, we could see both because it could be one of the multiverse versions from a different Earth who's making a sacrifice. It could be uh, a character who is from the Earth we've been following who makes a sacrifice but is reborn in a different way. And then I was thinking about the fact that Crisis on Infinite Earths, for all of its tragedy, did end with some surprising positive notes. Remember, it was Alexander Luther who was able to create that doorway into another dimension. And while it wasn't perfect, it ended up becoming part of a twisted storyline later in Infinite Crisis. It was this really sort of. It was always heartfelt to me when I read that final issue in uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. And if I'm doing a spoiler right now, I'm sorry, but the series has been out for long enough that I no longer <laughs> feel or hold myself responsible. To More than five about minutes. The ending of it. Definitely. (laughs) And with that in mind, I love the fact that there was this sort of reverence that was held for the elder Superman and Lois and for Superboy and how Luther made that uh, Alexander Luther made that opportunity available by saying, I can't promise anything more except the fact that while this is all destroyed, you know, falling apart around us, I can give you a chance to have a life together. Your remaining years in this place, it's really peaceful. I feel like that's some version of that is what I'm already anticipating just based on what I'm hearing from this and based on the fact that I know that we can still see so many different examples of tragedy and heartache and yet still find a way to attend it in a positive note or at least to, to give that sort of recognition respect to the characters, if nothing else, out of respect for the audiences who've come to love them for so long. Anyone? I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Brilliant. Awesome. Cool. Well, I'm glad you guys like that. I mean, uh, you know, it was something that really kind of stuck with me. And it was something that always lingered with me about Infinite Crisis. It was like, man, old school Superman gets a home. He gets he gets a chance to be connected with the one most important thing in his life, Lois. And he has a chance to still kind of be there for Super Bowl for just a little bit longer that that really meant a lot to me um and i don't know there's some part of me that that, that clings to it you know that, that possibility 
if they pull that off in the TV show with Oliver and Felicity and he turns to the screen and winks, I will punch the ear and scream out loud because <laughs> that would just be the ultimate. I'd love that. That is really cool. That would be great. Never say never, right? <laughs> uh, well, hey, that was a really fun note for us to wrap up TV and streaming news for you. We have to take one more break, and then we're going to come back to a little bit of news from that source material we've all come to know and love, comic books, and a little bit of that ephemera that we say always pops up on the edges. Hang out for just a few seconds for one more ad break. We'll be right back with you here at DC Comics News Podcast. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. And just like that, we're back. Shorter than you imagine, quicker than even we knew we could. We're here with the final home stretch of the DC Comics News Podcast, episode number 36, where I'm joined by the always delightful Brad Felicki and Steve J. Ray. We're moving into comic book news. And our first story on the list is the announcement that the Shazam Who Laughs, you heard that right, Shazam Who Laughs, strikes like lightning in the upcoming Batman Superman number two, which is where he'll be making a very heralded appearance, at least from the uh, stills we got a chance to see. Brad, what did you think about this uh, announced story and the images yeah, we got? Right? Yeah, these images look great. Um, Don't they have? It, it, yeah, it's hard to make Shazam look like a sinister character, but man, it does. It works. It works. <laughs> um, yeah, that that picture where he has them both by the cape and the lightning behind him, and all you see is that smile. Yeah, it's looking. Yeah, I I, I dig it. Uh, I think I'm definitely gonna have to pick this issue uh, up. Steve, what do you think? I don't know what it is just by giving someone a hood with fur around it that just transfers them from hero to villain. <laughs> right. It's just it's just really well done. Um, the visuals, the art in this series looks serious, um, really, really looks good. Uh, we we uh, wrote a, a preview about the uh, about the book when uh, DC sent us a press release about this a couple of days back and uh Everything just looks great from the poor Robin who's Billy Batson to this dark Shazam. I mean, I think it's the torn up cape, the hood, the fur, uh, the fact he's got Superman by the throat, the, the Batwing flying in. And, and it looks like Batman's attacking him with something that turns him back into Billy Batson. I am just really, really intrigued. And of course, I collect every Batman title regardless. So the fact this follows on from the Batman Who Laughs, it's going to be a Batman-Superman team-up. It's ongoing. Listen, I'm just invested. 
I really want to see more. And it's torture because they give us six pages with lettering and dialogue. And then the last six pages of the action scene is completely word free. It's just the visuals and it looks amazing. Mm. I can't wait to read this. Seth, what did you think? I agree that it is a bit of torture when you have to look at those visuals and just try and figure out what is being said, if anything's being said, what you're missing without that additional dialogue. But what you were both describing with this sort of menacing, just fearsome presence of Shazam, again, harkens back to what we were talking about uh, with some of the earliest, you know, earlier books that we've had a chance to witness. And immediately it made me think of that terrifying moment when you first see him in the kingdom and you see that sort of twisted, really corrupted version of Billy as an adult and then later as Shazam. And this really sort of reminded me of just, just how really scary this guy can be. If he goes from being that polished golden fifties, you know, sort of example that he sort of ingrained in my memory when I was a kid and, and even now, and then you start just chipping away at it. You know, you just you add the, the, the cloak and you hide his face and you leave him more susceptible to shadows. And then you start, you know, tearing up the cape a little bit and you make him look a little more ragged, a little more rough and tumble. And then that strips away that sort of veneer of this is someone who's going to hold back. I mean, there's a moment in that story where it appears that Billy is tricking Superman before he changes. And then with the strike of lightning, not only incapacitates Superman, but then grabs him by the throat. I mean, man, not only is that a crafty, you know, Shazam, but a crafty Billy. And that's a that's a sort of a really interesting uh, reminder of what we saw in the uh, the new 52, where where Billy wasn't the nicest kid. And this sort of takes it to so many more extremes. And what that could mean for both Billy and Shazam is a lot of pain and punishment for Batman and Superman. That's that's what I took from that release. I love what you said about the Kingdom Come thing as well, because in that series, I don't know if it's just me or what, and I've just got facial hair on the brain or something today, but do you not think that in Kingdom Come uh, that Billy Batson, as an adult, just got really evil eyebrows? Yeah. Yeah, those were bushy. Those, those were like yeah. he somehow decided to like, you know, engage with his most neanderthal side i mean He's i was waiting to the most to, like, innocent hero and he looked scary <laughs> and evil and malevolent and, and this version like brad said is just scary really is and it was it was sort of a haunting reminder of, of just how uh, until the kingdom uh or until kingdom come i really hadn't considered you know shazam going bad it was just never something in my mind. I've right? seen examples yeah. of Superman and other characters and what happens if they went bad and why does Batman always have these contingencies? I don't remember hearing about the contingency for Shazam, but it was great in this little series of, of shots to see that he did have one, that it appeared to do something. And I'm curious to see if it either changed Shazam into Billy or if it was a threat to Shazam that he could negate by changing into Billy and changing back again in some way. Um, I'm not sure exactly. what it was, but... That that really created this great sort of uh, mystery, and it also just heightens the anticipation for those pages where, without the dialogue, all we can do is guess. Yeah. 
<laughs> and unfortunately, when it comes to the character of Shazam, there's still a lot of guessing left to be had. There is a new announcement that Shazam number seven has now been pushed back for a total of 12 weeks. There's plenty that can be said. There's plenty that will be said. And Brad, I'm going to let you be the first to say it. Uh, you know, the problem, you know, I understand that Jeff Johns is a busy man. Um, but, you know, and I, I we talked about this on the podcast before. The problem is that you lose momentum. And this happened with Doomsday Clock. You're forced to reread the issues and, you know, get reacclimated with the story and things like that. And it's just, even if it's necessary, it's still a shame when things get pushed back like this. Um, but, you know, you know, hopefully the wait, the wait will be worth it. Steve, what do you think? <sighs> it's I'm, I'm <laughs> just, I've, you know, given up. I'm tired of this whole um, thing. It's going to be three months late, and for a monthly book, that is, it's torture. It's, it's, and and, and we've already talked a lot about how they left the last one. Um, yeah, I've got nothing to say except that, uh, again, much like another Jeff Johns title, I'm just going to wear out the old issues, rereading them till the next one comes out because. By the time it does come out, I'd have forgotten what it's all about. And we'll have New Gods 1 and 2 already released on Blu-ray and Titans Season 25 and, and everything else that goes with it. So uh, I've just given up on the story, really. Seth, please save us. You know, unfortunately, I don't have the ability to save us on this one. And it's heartbreaking when you can only watch while these sorts of events play themselves out. And the, the consequence, I think, is something that, Steve, you described so uh, you know perfectly when you just said, I give up. And the sad thing to consider is what percentage of readers have done that completely, have already made that decision, or who, worse, have, for whatever reason, dog barking in the background, I love that, uh, for whatever reason, have, you know, suddenly it's just fallen off of their radar. You know, can you imagine like you, you've gone in for the past, you know, two months, you keep not seeing the book. Other books are coming out. There's a lot of great material out there. Really what it comes down to is with, uh, with this kind of story, it's, it's only a matter of time before you've lost so many readers that when the title finally comes out, it's got so many problems working against it. For starters, it's going to have the problem of who's been still staying loyal and faithful and is continuing to read this whenever it finally does pick up. And then two, is it going to be judged fairly? Because now, after all this amount of time, it's going to be something where the audience is going to be looking at it and saying, I don't understand what's going on here. Um, why did I have to wait? an additional 12 weeks for this. Is this really what I've been waiting for? When it actually could be the great setup for the next great development. But you're now judging it based on how long it took and what it means for waiting amount, that amount of time and whether or not when you finally get the story in your hands, was it actually worth it? And, and that's really unfair, but that's the position they put themselves in now. 
it's hard for the three of us and we're in the know we know about comics we know about the delays because of of what we do for for dc comics news but i feel sorry for like we say more kids should be reading comics i feel sorry for kids who pick this book up and they're walking into their comic book store week after week after week and it's turned into three months later and not be able to pick up the book i mean we're patient we're adults we can reread them for any younger reader who's wanting to keep up with this story that's just got to be frustrating and like i said i give up on this whole scenario some younger readers might literally give up and say well forget this book let's pick up something that does come out on time and that's really really sad to me and it's the disappointing part that you know they're gonna have to figure out some way to resolve because if they don't if they don't answer this sort of position that they put fans in well this might be the beginning of a really troublesome trend when it comes to titles that John's been working on that had created so much great positive momentum and now are an example of what happens when you don't follow through. And there's plenty of examples in that from sports to business and now sadly in comics. Well, I just hope he's okay as well, because that's the other thing that I'm concerned with. Maybe he's having issues, family, health or otherwise. And if that's the case, just listen, rest up and and forget the comic until it's ready to come out. And they're saying it's going to have a two weekly release date after that to catch up. But will that be too little too late? Who knows? And that's really the biggest challenge that's going to be left to, uh, you know, to DC is when it's all been said and done, when they finally gotten these books out and into the hands of people were they going to still be able to do the things that they might have planned on but now are no longer available to them because what they were using this project to build up to is is kind of a a moot point and that can be really difficult because they could have really been setting in motion a lot of great things and so many of those might no longer be available to them and i i really have to wonder what that's going to mean for uh, for DC Comics or for future projects that Johns might have had planned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to move us along to our next story because this one is actually something that, well, might change a lot depending on who you are and what your association with Terry McGinnis, otherwise known as the Batman in Batman Beyond, and the announcement that Catwoman was actually his mother. Now, this is something that had always been a bit of a mystery when it comes to Batman Beyond, uh, simply because it was mentioned at one point in his storyline that Bruce had revealed to Terry that he was the biological son of Bruce Wayne, but that it was also part of a top-secret project and that no other information about his mother had been revealed up until this point. With this new development, Brad, what were your initial responses? Uh, I may have mentioned this on the podcast before. I'm not sure, but it's a bit of a confession time for me and that I have not seen all of Batman Beyond. So uh, how we're going to have to cut your mic. Uh, yeah. um, we're going to have to cut. No. <laughs> I know, right? I got it. That's why I have DC Universe, I guess. Uh, Steve, you're going to have to finish strong with us. Uh, Brad, you're fired. <laughs> Uh, you might have to I, pay I somebody say, for that. Yeah, <laughs> but I the the idea that the way that this could have ended sounded kind of a, kind of an interesting idea. You know, had he would have to choose between 
siding with Bruce or siding with Catwoman and either becoming a hero or a villain. That would have been an interesting, um, yeah, interesting dilemma. But I'm just going to have to watch the rest of the series and see how the you know it really turns out. So, Steve, what do you think? You have your own personal Geekipedia. His name is Steve, and he's going to tell you all a little story. Um, what happened was in the comics, in the comics, oh my God, in the comics, in the animated series, um, it was revealed eventually that yes, Bruce was uh, Terry's biological father. But um, what happened was that uh, Amanda Waller had decided that the future needed a Batman. The, the world needed a Batman to, to stay safe. That character, his, his uh, value was far too important to, to, to let lay to rest. Um, but this whole idea was uh, that initially they were going to do a second movie after Return of the Joker starring Catwoman, and it would be revealed that she was his biological mother, and yes, Bruce was his father. And that whole conflict and Man, I would have watched the living bejesus out of that film. That, to me, is more interesting than a Snyder cut of Justice League. I would have loved that because um, that character was missing from Batman Beyond. We had everyone else. Um, to get Catwoman as the main villain in the second film would have been awesome. And then to get that shock that she's Terry's uh, real mum. Amazing. I would have loved that. I mean, I don't know if you guys read the ongoing uh, monthly Batman Beyond comic book series by Dan Jurgens because it's superb. And he's got all sorts of amazing stuff going on, like a grown up uh, Dick Grayson, who's mayor of Bloodhaven and things like that. And he's got a daughter called Elena. And you never find out who her mother is. But the fact that it's Elena sounds a lot like Helena to me. So Huntress, possibly don't know. And little things like that, the possible futures that could still happen to our favorite characters is always something that's fascinated me. It's why I love Dark Knight Returns. It's why I love all the Legion stuff, that they know stuff about our futures that we don't. Oh, this just sounded like such a cool movie. I mean, they worked it in. They worked in that that Terry is actually Bruce's son. But the fact that Catwoman could have been his mum is just such a sad missed opportunity, I think. I, I don't know. Seth, what do you reckon, my friend? Well, I, I do feel like you've you've got an opportunity to tell great stories with either versions of his origin, whether it's the Amanda Waller or going with the Selena Kyle idea. But what really sort of made this a interesting thing for me was when I decided to put it in comics because of what you mentioned, which is the great storytelling that I've had a chance to follow uh, for about the last five issues of Batman Beyond. And I think it's amazing. It made me want to catch up on the previous ones. And... I really feel like this is something that could almost be a planted seed that could pop up in some fun way later on in the Batman Beyond comic. And and it was really something that just sort of stuck in my brain. And when I was seeing this and thinking to myself, why did I put this in comics when it's clearly about, you know, the cartoon? Well, it's not just about the cartoon. This is what Bruce Tim is saying about the cartoon. But we've also got this amazing comic book, which could do a lot with this information depending on whether or not this is just a little bit of a tease because if they're letting us know something could have happened well then there's no reason why it couldn't still happen somewhere else right and that's probably the the fun part that i i have for this um because this kind of reveal is one of those things that comic books and soap operas were built on (laughs) 
the great twist, Absolutely. the great surprise, right? The, the story that's going in one direction, then suddenly it's, I have something to tell you. And you go, whoa, <laughs> big twist, big change. Did so, not yeah. see that coming. Exactly. And I love that you've already pointed out that there are these really great little illusions we can point to with uh, Elena and Elena and Helena. And <laughs> well, how much closer does it stretch to what we would hope to actually be part of that uh, part of that history? So I'm really intrigued by this story and I'm intrigued to see if this is just an aside or maybe a hint of something that's coming out. Perhaps in the Batman Beyond, Beyond title, but this was the first place we heard about it. Um, any other thoughts from others before we wrap things yeah. up with our last? Well, that would be interesting. I think that makes me want to pick up the the comic a little more now. That, that could be a possibility. It's yeah, and, and good the stuff. fact that and Dan yeah, Yeagans is always a great suggestion. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I keep doing it, don't I? I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was just saying that you give great suggestions as far as yeah, what sorry. I should be reading. Yeah. Steve, well, you really do. Dan Jurgens. He gave us the the death of Superman, and I don't know if you guys know, he's been writing Batman Beyond for close to three years in Rebirth, but he was doing it for three years in New Fifty Two as well, and that continuity has stayed. It's it's one ongoing story. It started um, with uh, the event uh, Future's End, where Tim Drake took over as Batman Beyond because Terry was missing, presumed dead, and ended right. with Terry coming back. And honestly, um, just pick up the Rebirth run. It's only three or four books. It's great, and you know it's, you know what a great storyteller Dan Jurgens is. So that's my recommendation. If you haven't read it, you're already picking up uh, so many things I throw at you, and I do apologize, but it's because I love you, uh, really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that Justice League Annual was really good. Great. Justice League Dark Annual. Oh, wasn't it yeah. just? Yeah. 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 Beauty. Ram V or the man. You don't, yeah. You do not. <laughs> <laughs> not only that, Steve, but if you keep doing this, you become our new excuse. We can just keep telling our wives, you know, <laughs> well, but Steve said we had to get it, and, you know. Steve's I've become right. an enabler. I love everything he says. It really, really, you, you kind of have, and we love you for it. Don't ever stop. Um, and that's why I have over six thousand comics in my house, and my wife loves them so. <laughs> now that's the perfect setup for what's about to follow, because if you're looking for someone to help enable you, so that you can find it in your wallet or your credit card or your friend's credit card or bank account, the funds available to pick it up. Prime One Studio has announced Black Suit Superman's statue is here. We got a chance to glance at the images, and I liked what I saw. Brad, what do you think? Yeah, the, the it's it's beautiful. I did the sculpting on the faces and everything that they can do, and the detail on the costume itself is just amazing. I mean, it's going to put you back a thousand dollars, but you know if. If you are into collecting statues and a DC fan, I would almost consider this a must-have. I mean, it's it's uh, it's pretty amazing. Steve, what do you think? <laughs> Prime One and Sideshow. Oh. Yeah. oh yeah. If I had the money, honestly, I would have a haul full of this stuff. Because like you said, Brad, the level of detail, every, every like hair on the both different heads, he's got the short hair, Superman with a beard or the longer hair from from the comics when he first came back after being in his stasis pod and gaining all his powers back and the 
detail on the costume. That's always been one of my favourite Superman looks. That black suit with a silver emblem and the uh, the wrist uh, guard things. It's just so cool. But it's not just this piece. I mean, you look at all the stuff that Sideshow and uh, Primal Studios release. It is beautiful, but not cheap. So, people, if you've got organs to donate or um, you, you want to sell your house and live under a bridge in some cardboard boxes just to get these statues, uh, you might have to. But they are gorgeous. And honestly, if I had the money, I'd buy virtually everything they release. Um, gorgeous stuff. What did you think of it, Seth? Gorgeous is a word that I would be happy to use as well. I thought this was simply stunning. Um, the look on his face in that first image, just that glare with the beard underneath it, it was quite phenomenal. I mean, I was really just sort of blown away, like, oh, man, so that's that moment right from the comic books that I loved. And I remember when he comes out of that stasis pod, and you're like, oh, I almost swore right there. I was about to swear so big. Um, oh, my God, it's it's Superman. Like, he's really alive. They actually did bring him back. You know, there had been so much conjecture uh, after the death of Superman of all these different people who might take over Valor at one point, all these different characters who could be the new Superman. And I was like, are you kidding me? They're really going to do this? They're really just not going to bring are you? Are you kidding me? So when the storyline started to reveal the possibility of the missing body and then you had that moment, this statue does such an amazing job of capturing that. Um, Steve, for the longest time, this was like the only Superman I wanted to see appear back in comics. I just wanted to see, like, can we put him in a black suit again? Just just for a Same. little bit. Absolutely. Just because just he looks so cool, even with the mullet. I didn't care about the mullet, but I <laughs> love that with these portraits, you either can have a long hair, long hair with a beard, or short hair with a beard, which is just such a fun little thing. Like, hey, go ahead and, you know, go with your Superman. Um, that there, There's just a, a great feel to that. Uh, I, I love that we get to see this this black-suited Superman. And I'm curious, you know, it, it seems like it would be a smart tie into the fact that we just had Reign of Superman come out, and this is a, a good way to capitalize on that. But it, it also made me oh, just realize, like, wait, it took this long? So why? <laughs> why would it take this long for such a cool Superman statue? But it's here. Why complain about the time when you've got it in your hands now? And really, is it now all that matters? And, you know, if you've got that kidney or friend's kidney or, you know, you know, a good friend over at the morgue and you can make this happen, this could be yours. This could really be yours. But don't tell us about. Do how you, you really need if it's two not kidneys? Two yeah. Do you, you need know. them? You can live with one. From what I understand, the second one's redundant. Right. Just kind of <laughs> like, you know, just like, you know, having an extra mole. Um, <laughs> now. That really is the last bit of news for episode number 36 of the DC Comics News Podcast. I almost want to sing the Mickey Mouse end theme song because it's just so sad to step away from Brad Felicki and Steve J. Ray. But you don't have to leave them behind forever. Stay tuned for just a second. We're going to let you know how to get in touch with them. Um, just a reminder to hear more from Brad, Steve, or myself on any of our previous or upcoming episodes and to catch up with the rest of those who appear with us on these episodes, DC comics news is now available on all the major podcast platforms, whether it's Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google play. So we're going to ask you to please pretty, pretty, please 
head over, subscribe to the podcast, and rate and review. I think we're five stars, and if you can prove me wrong, well, there might be an ice cream cone in it for you. Now, you can also follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and YouTube, and all you have to do is tag us with that at symbol and DC Comics News. I spell it out sometimes, not this time. Instead, I'm going to let you know how you can get in touch with Brad and Steve throughout the social media world. Brad? Uh, you can uh, follow me on Twitter, FlickyB1, and uh, you can follow my writing on DC Comics News. Where I write news and reviews. And Steve, where can they find you? Also on Twitter at L Stevo, which is E L underscore S T E E B O, to read all my DC Comics news and Dark Knight news work. The easiest way is just to Google search Steve J Ray. You'll find links to those uh, comic book roundup and everything else that I inflict on a poor, unsuspecting internet on a daily basis. And of course, right here on the DC Comics News podcast, which I do with my good friends Seth, Brad, Kelly, Joe. Uh, Damien and Joshua on so many occasions, but also look out for our third show, which is going to be joining Spinner Rack and the DC Comics News podcast, which will be the I Am The Night retrospective looking back at Batman the Animated Series. What about you, Seth? Where can we find all your magic? Well, Steve, you can always check back here on the DC Comics News Network, where you can catch me weekly on the Spinner Rack, my chance to share with you my top five picks each and every week from DC Comics. And if you want to find me anywhere else, type in my name, Seth, my last name, Singleton, and the word story. And whichever platform you find me on, you choose to engage, do so, leave me a message, because that's always where the conversation really starts. Again, this has been DC Comics News Podcast, episode number 36. I've been joined by the always delightful Brad Falicki and Steve J. Ray. And if we have one last thing to leave you with, it's a simple reminder. And that's to always read more comics. <laughs> and just like that, we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.